Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, welcome back. You know, we had a, a great money doctor step in for you last week. He did yeah, a great job. Listen, Ryan did. I was critiquing. Y'all did a good job other than the initial conversation about Clemson. Yeah. The I whole, figured that was going to occur. The whole football thing. Yeah, the national championship, you know, that was quite a game. I was afraid that uh, Alabama would yeah. – uh, the, the, the <clears throat> talent would just – that overwhelm wide receiver is probably the best one I've ever seen. He's play. amazing. He has to be like four two speed. I mean, he's just incredibly fast. The dude is amazing. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And then they got the running back and yeah. Mac Jones, the quarterback, is impeccable. I mean, they they yeah. just they just overwhelmed him they with did. talent. So that was a very interesting game. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a lot going on. And we got the vaccines out there and starting to ramp up. They've been a little slow. I think they're opening those up yeah. to more people now. They are. So yeah, um, yeah that's. So a lot going on in the world. What can we say? <laughs> yeah, there is a lot going on, and uh, the markets have done well. The markets have done really well, you know, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that. And, I mean, it's it's based on the economy, right? And it's based on future earnings and the growth in the economy. It's not based on politics. And so, um, yeah, we just got to keep our eye on the ball here and not, not lose, be distracted yeah. by all this stuff There's going on around us. There's a lot of distractions, I guarantee you. Whew. There really is. So we're going to start off our show, though, talking about the seven ways to build wealth fast, John. And, I mean, this is this is a great article out of Forbes recently. And, uh, you know, there's some things you can do if you're behind to catch up and, and ways to really get serious about it, get focused like a gazelle, as Dave Ramsey puts mm-hmm. it. And uh, so we got the seven ways to do that. Yeah, and then we're going to follow that up with a discussion of um, – we're getting our crystal ball out here, Steve, where to invest in 2021. And, you know, we certainly warn people about making decisions um, based on headlines. So we're not telling you to go and change your investment strategy. But this is an article out of Morningstar. It's a good discussion. There's some some areas of the market that have under uh, performed in the last several years. And right. there's some reasons why they're doing well now. And it's just a couple of areas to take a look at. Uh, obviously, we believe in diversification across the board, but um, this these are certain sectors that we see that uh, could could do well in 2021. No one knows. Yeah, we're not going to pick the next you know uh, stock to go speculate on there, no. but uh, we definitely have an opinion about you know, and, and there's a lot behind. We have a lot of opinions, don't we? We do have a lot of opinions. That's what yeah. money doctors do. <laughs> so we do. But there's a lot of ways to invest to give yourself a better chance, I and mean, that's what we're going to talk about there. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, I'm Steve Marber, and I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 25 years' experience of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey Certified Counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can listen to this week's, or you can go back into the archive and listen to the hundreds that we have out there. And uh, also have a lot of really good tools out there. If you've never been on the website, go check out the tools, the financial resources out there. A lot of stuff that we've we've placed over the years that can be helpful to you and a Facebook page as well, MoneyMD. We put a prescription of the week every single week. Yeah, and on the website, you can also link to us, send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, um, and we'll talk about those right here on the show. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Well, Steve, you know, there's been a lot of talk about politics, goodness, over the last couple of months, and um, we do have a new president being sworn in um, next week, and um, there's a lot of consternation, um, folks. We're getting a lot of questions from people, and 
You know, and the fact is, when you go back and look at history, the markets perform very similarly between, regardless of who's in the White House exactly. and Congress. And so the reason is there are hundreds of other factors that impact the stock market. Now, politics is one of a hundred right. <laughs> or a hundred. So to make a decision on your stock market, uh, you know, decisions and investments based on politics alone. We don't uh, we don't advise that. No, that's exactly right. I mean, the market has returned well over ten percent per year, um, going back for sixty years here on this 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 fact of the week. And um, you know, regardless of whether it was the the the, the uh, regardless of whether the, the Congress, White House yeah. and Congress were controlled by the same party or not. So even in the same party situation, yeah. the market has done well over time based on history. So just keep in mind, you know, your investments are not, they're apolitical. They really don't care who's in power. They, that's true. And you look at what's happened since the election back in November and, I mean, the markets have done nothing but go up. And that's because there's stimulus out there. There's pent-up demand. So the stock market is looking at earnings of companies and what those are going to look like next year and the year after. And, you know, that's that's how the markets work. So the politics, you know, it's hard. People are emotional about that. But don't let that drive your investing and your financial decisions. Yeah, that's right. Okay, great fact of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic. And that is the seven ways to build wealth fast. Um, John, this is based on an article out of Forbes, uh, Jeff Rose pretty recently. And, but John, a lot of people have experienced a setback, um, you know, this past year with the pandemic and they find themselves kind of behind the curve when it comes to retirement and other savings goals. So, I mean, if you find yourself behind and you want to make some radical moves to, to, to build wealth fast, I mean, we're going to talk about some of the things you can do, some of the things you can change, um, to kind of get, as Dave Ramsey calls, focus like a gazelle, you know, I mean, he said he points out here great wealth builders you know they focus on saving uh both saving money and earning more so the point here is to increase that gap between your expenses and your income and the expenses should always be lower than your income and well yes. lower than your income that's the key here so the larger the gap the more wealth you can accumulate um so let's face it i mean you know you can invest you can't invest unless you you have the money to invest so um, you know, if you're currently living beyond your means, you have no money to put to work for you, so you can't build wealth. So the first key is to build that gap between your income and your expenses so you have some money freed up to invest. Yeah, and one way to do that is the first one here on the list is, is save on vehicles. I mean, cars are expensive, period. I mean, there's depreciation. It's easily the largest cost of owning a nice vehicle. Um, which a lot of people just don't understand. So if you buy a new forty thousand dollar vehicle, you're you're going to spend in the first year alone probably twenty percent of that on depreciation. So it's not right. going to be worth, but like thirty or thirty two thousand dollars at yeah, the end of like the year. Yeah, like six or eight thousand dollars depreciation. It's huge in that first year. Yeah, and then you have car loans. They have high interest. Then you have higher insurance cost. Uh, too many people view the car payment as as normal, and sure it's normal, but normal you know, doesn't produce wealth in a lot of cases. So as Dave Ramsey says, don't drive your retirement. Instead, you know, pay cash for a car. It may not be as nice of a car, but, you know, you can start a car fund, right? And use cash in the future every time you need to, to buy one or upgrade. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's great advice. And, you know, I was fortunate to learn that lesson really early when I was young and I was still in college. Um, I was driving my dad's old 1968 Impala. Ooh. I'm dating myself here. Yeah. Go. 
Yeah, but you know, it was it was getting old by then. <laughs> you know, my older brother he had wrecked it. My oldest brother and uh, me and my middle brother we rebuilt the entire front end on that car for two hundred bucks. And then my dad sold it to my middle brother for that money. You know, he basically, my middle brother paid for it. And uh, and then he later sold it to me for the same $200. So working hard in construction and other jobs, you know, and, and not having a car payment. You know, I had this car that I drove all the way through second half of high school and college. <clears throat> And uh, eventually paid for college without any significant loans. Yeah. But that means saving on a car was a huge part it, of that. It landed you a wife, too, right? It and did. Kathy saw that car. I was like, she man, did. She look did. at man, that Impala. It's big 68 Impala. It was like a tank, <laughs> yeah. man. That thing yeah. was yeah. so big. But, you know, it had those it had those vinyl seats. I'd armor those seats down. And I'd, so I'd go out with it, you know, on a date with Kathy. And yeah. I, could, I could take a sharp <laughs> right, and she'd slide right up to me, man. It was, <laughs> it was a pretty sweet you thought sweet she liked ride. it it was just the car stuff <laughs> that's right so that's funny yeah that's right so that was my old 16 power but we saved i saved a bunch of money by driving that car for a long time so that's a big way you can save money another way though john is to save on shelter you know i mean there is nothing wrong with owning a nice home once you get to that point in your life and you need more space and you can afford it but if you want to save big money Renting really is the way to go. Um, and I, I know this is controversial because some people don't agree with this, but, you know, my wife and I, we rented an apartment for the first five years that we were married so we could save her entire salary to our first house. Um, and not having a mortgage payment, that allowed us to build up an emergency fund and save like crazy for our first house. And I know some people consider rent as throwing money away. But really, that cannot be further from the truth. Um, you know, you will most always save by renting. And here's why. I mean, the truth is buying a home is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to expenses. I mean, you're almost always going to own a larger space than you would if you rented. Um, so not only are you paying more for extra space, but you're also going to fix up a home you own, right? You're going to want to furnish it with nice stuff. And then you're going to want to landscape the yard. You're going to upgrade the look of the house. Um, you know, there's also the commissions and the closing costs and moving expenses every time you move. You know, there's simply no limit to the extra expenses you can incur if you own instead of renting. So if you want to save big money to build wealth, you know, you can rent instead of buying and you will save money over time. Yeah, that's a good one. And another one here is don't buy stuff. You know, it's easy to buy stuff. You got Amazon, right? right. They make it easy. Just like click this button and it's coming to you. Turn around and the doorbell's ringing and it's at your house. So, yeah, you know, if you live know in a, if you live in an apartment, you know, it's not uh, you don't have the room to buy the stuff. But when you have a house, um, you I mean, do you really need that million inch flat screen TV, Steve? <laughs> no, no, you don't. You don't need it. I mean, no, you don't need it's it. It's fun, but you don't need it. Yeah, and if you're on a first name basis with a UPS and FedEx guy, then you're probably buying too much stuff. Do you know that, your FedEx? That's guy? a good indication. <laughs> yeah, I do know John pretty well, or yeah. Ralph, whatever his name yeah. is. <laughs> Our dog, we let him out. Boomer, he'll he'll go up in the uh, the UPS truck and start sniffing yeah. around. So. Yeah, we we see that guy pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah. So delay all your purchases by at least a week. Um, you know, figure out what you, what you really need. Make a list before you shop. Compare the prices. You know, look at different websites and read reviews. And um, you know, these are all great tools to make sure you don't just buy stuff because stuff is not going to make you happy. Right. I mean, That's it's right. just going to sit there in the corner if you don't use it. And, um, you know, you'll end up donating it or throwing it away in the future. So That's stop exactly buying right. stuff. Yeah, that's a good one. No doubt. Another one here, though, is to save a percentage of your income. You know, I mean, us savers, we are definitely in the minority. You know, very few people save a substantial amount 
of their income for the future. But if you think about it, um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, you 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 got to um, you got you got to save some serious money, and it's got to be a percent of your income, so you know that it's going to go away consistently every single month. Um, you know, there's a uh, guy out here from MrMoneyMustache.com who advocates that you could save between 30 to 50% of your income. You know, I mean, and, and it's definitely doable, you know, and while that's an extreme side of things, um, you know, you can get it done by making some radical changes. Uh, granted, you know, the more you make, the larger the percentage that you can save, but most people... Most everyone need to save around 15% of your income toward retirement in the future. That's a great rule of thumb because pensions and Social Securities, you know, they just aren't going to get it done anymore when it comes to retirement. So the point here is you got to take some steep sacrifices, make some sacrifices so that you can put more of your wealth toward your investments. Um, and, you know, the more you put away, obviously, the, the, the more it's going to build over time. Sure. So you want to get time on your side. You want to get a lot of money saved up as quickly as possible. Um, you know, that's really the key is, is saving a, a large chunk of your income. So next one, though, is um, our kind of another side of the equation is is earning more. Yeah, um, you got to be able to earn more. Right. Um, so now let's kind of address <clears throat> the earning side of the equation. You know, I know it seems impossible for many people out there. Um, that you have to, you know, but you have to change your mindset. You have to believe that you can find a way to make more money. It is doable. Yeah. And so the first way to do that, but you know, not in all situations, but obviously if you have a job, I mean, work hard and, and be conscientious and care about it. Imagine that you're the CEO. How would you approach your, your daily duties differently if more was on the line? And it's really difficult to find you know, great opportunities. Um, it's possible, um, but you know, it's not. It's not easy. But if you work hard, people around you will will start to take notice. Um, you know, the, if you work as an intern, sometimes that's a way to get your foot in the door. You can of, often get into the, the the job or the the company that you want to by working hard and showing some extra, you know, in, incentive and extra things that you're doing around the office. So it sounds easy to do. It's not easy, but uh, just, you know, be conscientious about your job. Treat it like you're the CEO. Yeah, you do a great job over time. That <clears throat> that comes back around and pays off for you. You know, I, when I think back over my career, um, you know, I remember when I co-opted as a student at a textile mill down in Barnwell. Um, you know, I worked pretty hard, but the majority of my duties were basic, you know, administrative kind of things, you know, and doing quality checks, filling out logs. Um, and even though the work was boring, you know, I did work hard and I did everything I was asked of me and above. And, you know, my work ethic and drive eventually, you know, that they that did show, I think, and they offered me a full time position. So it does pay off. You need yeah. to do that over time. Yeah, I, I went from um, bag boy at Piggly Wiggly to uh, stock. Uh, clerk. Well, you go big, big dude, promotion. That was, that was dude. a promotion. It's you like twenty five cents an hour. You showed them, man. Didn't I did. You? I worked hard. I was, you know, I was there on time, and uh, so I got a promotion. Absolutely. Piggly Wiggly. That was well, a good, great experience. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it just builds <clears throat> work. Hard. It works. It builds work ethic, yep. you know, and and it gives you, you know, a resume that you can point back to. It gives you references. So you just got to work your way up the chain to get a better job, and you got to believe you can do it. I mean, that's the point here is you got to have the right attitude, and over time it will pay off. So that's step one. Another step here, though, is to invest in your education, John. Um, you know, that's the way you might be able to, 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 to make more money down the road. Um, and this could be, you know, getting your degree, getting an MBA, getting a specialized designation. 
I mean, for me, it was, you know, I, I got my engineering degree back whenever I was young. I also got a certified financial planner, you know, certification um, whenever I got into this business. And that's opened some doors, and it certainly has increased my income ability over the years. Um, you know, it was years out of my life where you studied your, your tail off, you worked really hard. Um, but, you know, you knew that that degree and designation would give you a leg up over time, and it, and it has, and it's set me apart, you know, from some folks in this business. So, you know, while I didn't see huge immediate financial benefits, I can't attribute, you know, many clients opportunities that have been opened because of education. Mm -hmm. And you will, too, if you pursue something meaningful with a good education and certification. So I think that's a great step to take. Yeah, it is. Another one is to invest in yourself. Um, you know, when you first start off, you know, buy, you know, new shirts and ties and suits and you got to look professional and um, maybe take a shower every other day versus once a week. Yeah, that helps. That helps smell, yeah, John. That's right. Get your hair all, you know, <laughs> trimmed up and so forth. But seriously, investing in yourself, um, you know, having a certain, um, you know, look about you, you want to you be professional. It depends on your, your job and your profession, uh, position and profession, but uh, you also may need to do brochures. Um, marketing materials to put yourself out there, depending on, again, on the position associated with it. That's right. I mean, make sure you get the training resources you need to be successful. You know, if you're starting a business, you have to invest enough capital to get it up and running and on a great footing. Um, you have to spend for marketing, get the right people to help you. So, you know, a lot of money that I earned wasn't going toward frivolous things such as big screen TVs and things at the beginning of my career. You know, it was, you know, I wasn't eating out of high end restaurants. Instead, the money went toward investing in myself and our business. And and so you, you really have to do that if you want to be successful. Um, so, I mean, anyway, just to conclude, John, you know, I mean, while investing fifty hundred dollars a month into a Roth could be a good place to start. You're not going to build wealth fast without making some more significant and radical changes. Um, so don't think that you have to do everything, but instead focus on a few things, do them well. It all starts by investing in yourself, listening to podcasts, reading books, talking to very successful people, learning their story, um, getting some coaching. You know, then you'll become equipped to think differently about yourself and your wealth. Um, so as you make it a habit to find your way to, to better yourself, you're also going to find new potential ways to build wealth faster than ever. Everyone, you know, does it differently, but you know, nobody, um, is going to do it exactly like you, but if you're unique and you focus on it, you can find a way to do it. That's the point here. So yeah, make 2021 the year that you really get on track for building the wealth you need over time. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, Steve, you know, between the two of us, I uh, was just thinking, you know, we have like close to 40 years of experience in the investment world. So True. so we see these questions a lot, and it's interesting. The question is, is you know, um, I'm concerned about the stock market. Should I change my investments? And it's interesting because, you know, the markets are at all-time highs now, yep. and people are concerned. <clears throat> When the markets are at lows, they're concerned. Yes, they when are. When it's in the middle, they're, they're concerned. concerned. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, I mean, the fact is the stock market historically has made 10% a year. Really good years, really poor years. You really don't have to time the market to be successful in it. So That's generally right. speaking, get your profile, you know, risk profile set on the front end of it. Have a plan and leave it alone. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting lots of calls here recently about, you know, just all kind of various things. Seems like, you know, the kind of the, 
you know, the cryptocurrencies, gold. The, the gold is coming out of the woodwork. You know, a lot of people asking questions about that. <clears throat> Gold's one I addressed this morning with somebody. And I look back, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, it's the same old story. We've been, we've been getting this question for 20 years about at certain times about should I buy gold? Yeah. You know, whenever it has its little run up like it has this past year. And I uh, look back <clears throat> and gold has gone up about 3% per year over the last 10 years. Even at the high level it's at today, it's only made about 3% per year. And it, and it dropped 40% at one point there mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. So gold has about the same volatility as the stock market, but it has less than half the return. Yeah, the last 10 years yeah. have been good yeah. in the market. I mean, it's exactly. been a good 10 years. <laughs> well, even an average 10%, gold's only made 3% per year. You know, you go back long term, I've seen numbers like 5% per year. Yeah. I mean, gold just, it has a lot of volatility. It, it's not, it, but it's not earning anything. There's no company behind it. There's no one producing value. It's just a commodity. So it's only driven by demand. So, um, yeah, don't, you know, don't, don't change your investments based on what's happening recently in the stock market or even in the politics or gold or anything else out there. You know, focus on the long term. Have a plan. Stick to that plan. Be diversified. That's the key here. That yep. uh, So, yeah, good question of the week, though. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is where to invest in 2021. John's got the crystal ball here. He's <laughs> going to give you here, the hot stock pick maybe for, the, <laughs> for yes. this year. You're sitting on the edge of your seat here, give aren't you? Give it to us, John. we got our pen out. This is uh, coming from uh, Amy Arnott from uh, Morningstar. <laughs> and, um, you know, Steve, it, no one can predict, obviously, the, the winning sectors – uh, or the stocks from year to year. I mean, the data proves that we have seen that. And uh, but there are some areas that that could benefit from a, a global economic recovery. And um, it's called contrarian investing. Uh, it's you're you're kind of buying into things that haven't done as as well because you think they're going to outperform. And in practice, areas that are out of favor um, sometimes stay out of favor for long periods of time. And and market darlings can stay in the spotlight longer than you might expect. So there's no way to time this, but this is just some areas that potentially could do well in 2021, and no one knows. Yeah, and this is one I really don't <clears throat> don't agree with, but we'll throw it out here anyway. And <laughs> and that is, you know, contrarian investing, you know. Um, and it's kind of the idea of, of doing the opposite of what the market's doing, right? I mean, it's having the right time horizon, they say, is one of the keys to successful contrarian investing. I mean, academic research has generally found that in the short term, stocks um, with strong recent performance continue to do well. And that's true. There is a momentum factor that has been proven by academic research, but it's it's still not something you can time very well because it only lasts typically only lasts a few weeks, I believe, with stocks. But um, they're talking about here about, you know, a year you know, or so the performance tends to persist for for a while, in some cases multiple years. But there's a lot of controversy around this. This is not something you can time. Academic research says you can delay trades to take advantage of this, mm-hmm. but you cannot time this to, to capture enough of that premium to make up for your cost. Yeah, that's right. So patience is key in that area. Um, so Morningstar does an annual buy the unloved study. And it focuses on fund categories that have had net outflows over the past year, but assumes a three-year holding period. Um, So if you suspect you might be tempted to bail out if an area continues to lag, then going against the grain probably isn't the best approach for you. You know, energy would be an example of that right now. I mean, energy stocks have certainly been been hammered. So here's some ideas for uh, contrarian tilts. 
And uh, with these uh, caveats in place, um, you know, there's some areas potentially, again, no one knows, but these are some areas that have underperformed uh, recently, and I'll let you kind of dive into it. Yeah, right. And the first one here, they're talking about contrarian tilts would be international stocks. And, uh, you know, our philosophy is to own international stocks always in your portfolio at, you know, a reasonable annual tilt, reasonable allocation, maybe 25% of your equities in international stocks. But, yeah, stocks outside the United States, they have shown a hint of promise in recent months. Um, you know, they've still trailed domestic markets, you know, by by a margin here over, over long periods, by a big margin. Um, over the 10-year period in, in December, the MSCI EFI index had returned just 5.5% per year compared to over 10% for the S&P 500. A big part of that is because of the currency. Mm-hmm. U.S. currency has gotten really strong over the last 10 years. Um, there are some signs that may be changing, and that's a big factor in this. Um, yeah. But again, I would say diversify. There's no yeah. way to time this. Well, if you look at the 10 years before this last 10 years, it was exactly opposite. Exactly. Opposite. US Internationals stocks, did fantastic. Yeah, right, right. But so part of that was currency <clears throat> swings. That's right. So the per- dismal performance of the international uh, over you know has a couple of factors: uh, lower earnings growth rates than non-U.S. companies, um, lighter exposure to technology, and as you mentioned, the uh, dollar's strong upward tr- trends really since 2011. So that's been a big piece of it. Recently, we've seen the dollar strength has shown some signs of reversing, and it's contributed to a stronger showing for international stocks. So, obviously, the pandemic is playing into this as well. Um, a global post-coronavirus uh, economic recovery combined with the continued weakness in the U.S., it would be a positive for the international. So we'll see how that turns out. But again, we're big believers, as you know, in diversification, if you've been listening to us at all. Yeah, uh, we're, you know, diversify. Yeah, that's right. And the next one here on the list is, uh, you know, starting to sound like our diversified portfolio, John, small cap stocks they're Mm -hmm. pointing to here. You know, academic research has found that smaller cap stocks tend to outperform over longer periods of time even after the, you know, adjusting for the higher levels of the risk. Um, However, small cap effect has been harder to find in the last several years, you know, as large stocks have taken the lead over the past decade. Part of this, though, is, you know, likely reflects the differences in profitability. Um, And so while the market's biggest firms have continued kind of widening their profit margins, small cap stocks have lagged, but we have seen evidence that it's changing recently. Yeah, there's no doubt the last uh, you know couple of months, the small stocks have just been on fire. And if history is any guide, small stocks could fare better as the economy regains strength over the next couple of years. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Value stocks, another case where academic theory um, basically has been out of tune with the markets. Value stocks um, are basically stocks that um, are undervalued. They have a lower price to their earnings compared to gross stocks. And and value stocks perform well over longer periods, um, partly because of their, their low prices, give them more room to rise. So, you know, while that hasn't worked, you know, exactly like that recently, it's partly um, could reflect the limitations inherent in the, some of the traditional metrics. And and so we don't know where value is going to go, but um, it certainly has had some underperformance as well. Yeah, value's <laughs> underperformance. It's, it's partly a sector story, you know, an industry story on average. Value indexes have a lot less exposure to technology stocks, which have led the market recently, and more exposure to financials and energy stocks, which have fallen behind. Um, but, you know, we've seen that trend, you know, change here recently. So 
Um, you know, you really can't time sectors. That's been studied a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that value does rotate over time and value has proven to be academically has proven to be a, an asset class that gives you a higher return. So, you know, we believe in diversifying into value long term, not not yeah. just trying to time it. Yeah. I mean, the, the takeaway from this is, is no one knows what 2021 is going to hold. Um, growth stocks could continue to outperform. Uh, and so could U.S. as well. We, we certainly don't know that. But, you know, it's it's more dangerous to, to be really narrowly invested than to have all of these different sectors. Because if you look back at history, we have some pretty cool charts that, that uh, show 25 years worth of historical returns for these asset classes. And the colors are random. And there's no way to tell what's going to be at the top and what's going to be at the bottom. So own a little bit of all of them. That's diversification. Yeah, that's the key. You know, I mean, Morningstar, I think, is, is finally starting to recognize, you know, some of the diversification we're talking about. But they yeah. they talk like you can time it, you know, and, and it's it just doesn't work that way. You know, I mean, there's no way to predict when these asset classes are going to show up um, exactly. You know, it's we've had some good signs over the past few months. So now they're getting attention. Um, but the fact is you have to be invested long-term in a diversified portfolio that's tilted toward the asset classes that historically have given good returns. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we recommend. We don't really recommend trying to time it. 2021 is no different than any other year in terms of being diversified and sticking to your portfolio. You know, that, that's what works over time. That's what's been proven you know, so, uh, yeah, good good topic, though. Um, and that leads up to our last thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, the common theme here, don't make decisions based on what you're hearing on TV or reading on Facebook or whatever. Um, and there was a study done a couple of years ago, um, and it looked at the forecast of professionals uh, in that business, from interest rates to market folks, and they were right about 49% of the time. So, Steve... They would have done better flipping a coin, <laughs> yeah. right? So no one knows the direction of this stuff. No one can time this. So don't make decisions. It's it's emotional, and we see it a lot right now, but you don't have to time it to be successful. You so just professionals don't. were right less than half the time. They'd yeah. be like, I wonder if, you know, a quarterback, you know, if Peyton Manning were, were only completed 49% of his passes, yeah. I wonder how long he'd be in the NFL. I don't know. Weather forecasters seem to, you know, do pretty good at 50%. So, <laughs> uh, right. But don't make decisions based on these headlines. No one knows. I mean, That's the key. It's, it's interesting. Mm. We'll see a headline, you know, one day of X and the, and right below it the next day it'll be Y. And it'll be exactly the opposite things. It's two different analyst view. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, they really don't know. Nobody has a crystal ball, so you have to diversify. Um, don't don't put any stock in these forecasts that you see. You know, stick to the long-term, you know, portfolio um, that's at the right risk level for yep. you. That's really the that's key the here. Key. So a good prescription of the week. All right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Um, or give us a call, link to us there. You can call us at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.